Hey, New Life family, it's so great to be back with you again this weekend. Thank you for joining us, all of you online who are watching us all over the country. I would love to say all over the world, but I don't know if there's anybody watching me all over the world. So I'll say all over the, the country because I do know we have some people in other states who watch our services. But my name is Jeremy. I'm the campus pastor for the Patterson campus of New Life Christian Center. And I just want to say welcome. Thank you for watching us uh, this weekend. Hey, go ahead and take out your phones and uh, uh, turn to uh, our app. If you've never downloaded our app, we want to encourage you to do that right now. Just New Life Christian Center and uh, download that app. And then on the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see the word connect. Click on the word connect. It's going to take you to weekend resources. Click on weekend resources, which takes you to sermon notes. And then you'll be able to see the fill-ins that we're going to be giving you here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, let's take care of some of our housekeeping items that we do every week. If you have any prayer needs, about a year ago, we adopted the texting number 30500. So if you have any prayer needs, you can text the word prayers to that number. Uh, if you want to join, join one of our Connect 3 groups, you can uh, actually text the word connect and then the, the number 3 to that same number. Uh, and if you, uh, throughout any uh, any of our messages that you watch online, if you make a decision, I'll get it out in a minute. A decision to surrender your life over to Jesus, then you can text the word decision to that same number as well, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N. But we just want to encourage you to use that texting number. Uh, we use it for a lot of different um, uh, uh, things that we do uh, uh, around here. Also, uh, over the past year, we've spent a lot of time putting resources available for you online. So if, if you have little kids or teenagers or even uh, some of the life group questions that we put online that complement the weekend services, if you want to say, you know what, I'm going to start downloading these life group questions for my personal devotion time with Jesus, they complement the message. And so you can get together either by yourself or with, maybe with a, a coworker, or a neighbor or a family member and go through those questions and send them the, the link to the message and say, hey, watch this message. Let's you and I get together and do a little life together, okay? So anyway, just want to encourage you that you can find our resources at newlifecc.com. We already went through some of the announcements at the beginning of service, what's happening on June 6th, but I do want to tell you about our water baptisms that um, are coming up on June the 13th. If you have never taken the step in being water baptized, I want to encourage you to do so. Now, water baptism here at New Life, we don't believe it's a ticket to heaven. We don't believe if you're water baptized that that um, equals salvation. Salvation is actually surrendering your life over to Jesus, asking him into your heart, uh, asking him to forgive you of your sin, repenting to him. That's salvation. Water baptism is your public demonstration of letting everybody know this is the decision that I have made. And so we want to encourage you to do so. If you're watching, you're in lane one or two, uh, and you haven't been attending with us on, uh, at our live services in lane three, then and you say, you know what? I've, I've recently given my heart to Jesus over the past year during COVID. I've surrendered my life to Jesus and I want to be baptized. That's happening on June the 13th in the North Building here at the Turlock Campus at 1030. So we want to uh, encourage you uh, to do that. If you, have any inf uh, if you want any more information about that, just reach out to the church and we'll get that to you as soon as possible, okay? Uh, and lastly, we just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity. Uh, we could not do what we do without you. So thank you. All of those, all of you who are already participating in worshiping God through your giving, that's exactly what it is. It is a spiritual discipline just like praying and fasting and reading your Bible. Giving 
is a spiritual discipline. So those of you who are engaged in that, we just want to say thank you. Whether you give online or through our app or you uh, surrender yours over physically, the address is on the screen right now as I'm talking about it. And we just want to say keep that coming uh, because you are making a difference right here in the Central Valley of California. Okay, hey, let's jump into the message. Uh, we've been uh, over the last few weeks, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been in this new message, uh, this new series called God's Heartbeat. Moments from minutes. The only way we can experience those moments is if we have invested minutes with God. So today we're, con we're continuing that series, diving into the things that highlight God's passions and God's desires for us. And so here's our key verse that we've read over the last couple of weeks. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter from prison to the church that he helped establish in the city of Philippi. One final thing, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. I love this. Then the God of peace will be with you. Hey, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and we honor your holy name. We thank you, Lord, and we acknowledge on this day that everything that we have is a blessing from you. I pray, Father, that you will speak your words through your servant to your people, and as a result, we'll grow closer to you and closer to each other. In your holy name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, so let me ask you this question. Uh, you don't have to close your eyes. I know it would be a little weird if you're sitting at home and kind of closing your eyes. If you want to, you're, you're more than welcome to do this. But I want you to take just a minute, close your eyes if you want. If not, just keep looking at me on the screen. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word worship? When I say that word worship, what was the first image that came to your mind. For some of you, it's the, the majestic sound of an organ playing one of the great hymns of our, of our, of our faith. Actually, this morning, I, I woke up. I, I, have no idea, I have no idea why, but I, I woke up this morning with the old hymn. If you grew up in a Pentecostal church like I did, there's a song called, I'm Getting Ready to Leave This World. Now, I actually hope I'm not getting ready to leave this world. But I woke up and strangely enough, that song was on my mind. But for others, when I said the word worship, it's the memory of standing at, the, at a concert with your hands raised in the air, singing with the worship band. For some, maybe that, that word worship produced a memory from years ago, the sound of a thousand voices ringing out at a promise keeper's rally or, or, some, or like the Women of Faith event. Maybe you pictured pianos, some pictured guitars or drums or keyboards. It's the sound of old hymns that kind of take you back to a more simpler time. Or maybe it brought up a thought of being in, a, in the band with, uh, or being in the room with Elevation Worship or Maverick City or, or We the Kingdom, some of the other great worship bands of our day. But did you notice that all of these examples I just mentioned focus on music? And can I tell you that music does not determine whether or not you worship God. In fact, you can worship God without any music at all. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says this, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure 
that they exist and were created. I want you to highlight that phrase or circle that phrase, for your pleasure. The Bible says that you and I were created for God's enjoyment. Did you know that? Did you know that you were created for God's enjoyment, that he made you to enjoy you? When you were born, God was right there smiling because he wanted to make you. God loves you. And not only does he love you, I've said this before, but he likes you. it's, It's okay to be with someone that you'd say, well, I know they love me, but do they like me? There's a big difference, and we know that. But God's heart beats for you. You're his passion. You're his desire. And he wants you to bring that enjoyment that he has with you. He wants you to bring that enjoyment back to him. One day Jesus was walking down the street. Uh, You'll find this in scripture. And a guy came up to to him and said, Lord, what's the most important command in all the scripture? Now, if you read, this guy was actually trying to trip Jesus up. But Jesus turned it around on him. And he says, okay, here it is. Here's the most important command in all the scripture. And this is the most important thing. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. This will summarize the entire Bible. This is basically what Jesus was communicating to this man. Matthew 22, 37 and 38. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is Jesus saying, if you don't get anything else, here's what you're supposed to do in life. Learn to love me back because I love you. And I know you, and all I want to, all I want to, uh, all I want you to do is just know me and love me back. Now, there's a word for what we call that, and it's worship. Worship is knowing God. Worship is loving Him back. So, if worship is more than just music and musical styles, what is worship? Worship is actually a couple of different things. Here's one of the first things worship is. Worship is my response to God's love towards me. Think about it. It's my response of God's love towards me. It's how I respond to God's love. It's the way that I demonstrate my love back to God. It's to worship him. Romans 12, in, uh, ch- chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, this is, uh, the Apostle Paul again, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper what? Worship. This is your true and proper worship. Worship worship is the way that I react and respond to God's love towards me. That's what worship is. Notice it says, in view of God's mercy. You see, in this case, God takes the initiative. God makes the first move. He creates us. He saves us. He forgives us. He blesses us. He protects us. And because of all of these things, we worship. And notice what we do. We offer. That word describes worship. And God loves this response back towards him. Think about this. When when a spouse or a parent or a child, a a boyfriend or girlfriend, when they come up to us and say, I love you, we respond, don't we? We respond in a way that reciprocates that. I love you too is is our natural response. We don't just say, oh, uh, thank you. Hey, Jeremy, I love you. Oh, that's, that's, that's really sweet. Hey, Jeremy, I, I, I love you. Oh, I really appreciate that. No, that, that wouldn't go in my house. No, we say it back. I love you, and I love you too. 
Do you know God constantly shows and reminds us that he loves us? He is constantly, without, without us even knowing it, subconsciously we are looking at God's love towards us all the time. Through prayer, through reading his word, through nature, through our blessings, that is God demonstrating to us constantly and consistently that he loves us. Isn't that great? And all he wants back is our worship. Here's another thing worship is. Worship is giving back everything back to God. Worship is giving everything back to, uh, back to God. He gives to us and we give back to him. Whenever you give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, that's called worship. And that brings pleasure to God. When your kids are grateful to you, that brings you pleasure. And when we are grateful to our Heavenly Father, that brings Him pleasure. But what do you give a God that has everything? What do you give a God that has everything? What do you give a God that created everything? Have you ever tried to buy a gift for someone who doesn't need anything? It's really hard. My 91-year-old Mimi, who's listening right now. I love you, Mimi. Hi, Mom and Dad. My 91-year-old Mimi... Uh, is one of the hardest people ever to buy for. You know why? Because she's 91 and she either has everything or she has had everything in life. I mean, she's 91. <laughs> Think about this. Or what, what about this? How many of you uh, have had someone in your family, you currently have someone in your family who buys whatever they want online, with, whether it's through Amazon or wherever, uh, wherever else, right before Christmas? A month before Christmas, they buy themselves something. And you're like, could you not wait another month and let me buy that for you? <laughs> now, if I'm being honest, what I really want are things that I don't have and I can't have. Peace and pizza. That's really what I want and that's really what I can't have. But think about God. I mean, he made the world. He made you. He made the universe. What do you give him in return? I'll tell you what you give him. You give him yourself and you give him your love. And he's very specific about how you give it. Look in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You see, God wants us to connect with him in our minds. He wants us to sense him with our heart and soul. He wants us to serve him with our strength. If you've been married for a while, you know it takes more than just words and hugs and kisses to express your affection towards your spouse. Of course your spouse wants to hear you say it. They love to hear you say it. They need to hear you say that you love them. But there are, there's another kind of love that you need to express to back it up. And those are those practical expressions of love. And that's part of worship too. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says this, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Now, if you don't get anything out of this message today, I want you to get this. Because this is a truth of the scripture. In life, it's not what you do that matters as far as your career, as far as your job. It's who you are and who you do it with. Your identity and who you do it with. When you give it all back to God, all of your work can be turned into worship. Whatever you do. 
Whatever, uh, uh, whatever you do, you're saying this, I'm going to do this with God today. You may be a carpet cleaner. Maybe you're an attorney, a nurse, an at-home parent homeschooling your kids, an executive or a manager or a salesperson, a truck driver or a teacher. It doesn't really matter what you do. It's who you do it with. It's who you are and who you do it with. And that turns work into worship. And then you're worshiping God 24 hours a day, not just in church here on the weekends, not just when you're watching this, this video. God didn't design worship to be just something we do inside these four walls on Sunday. He wants it to be a lifestyle. He wants it to be a part of your life, your whole life. That's his heartbeat for you. Romans 12 and 1 says this uh, in the message translation. I love this. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, and place it before God as an offering. The truth is everybody worships something we do. God wired us to worship. He put it in your DNA to worship something. We can't stop worshiping even if we wanted to because it is part of being human. Everybody worships something. That's why you can go to any culture in the world and find people worshiping. And if we don't worship God, believe me, we are going to find a substitute very quickly. Because it's in us to find something to worship. Even if we eventually worship ourselves. So there are some lessons that we can learn this weekend regarding God's heartbeat for us connected to worship. So here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Remember when I told you to open up the app and then go to the sermon notes and pull those up? This is, this is where those come into play, okay? So number one, God's heart beats for my attention. God's heart beats for my attention. Now, in most religions around the world, the idea of worship is to put your mind into neutral, all right, to, uh, to kind of lose your mind to the universe. But the truth is, God wants us to worship him thoughtfully, intentionally. It takes putting our mind into focus on God, not just going through the motions, but really, really thinking about it, which, is, which it's not always hard to do. I mean, that's, it's not always easy to do. That's why our key verse is to fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. Have you ever kind of prayed on autopilot? I know you have. I know I do that all the time. Before a meal, Lord, thank you for this food, blah, 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 amen. And then someone asks you, what did you just pray? And you're like, I don't know. It's just kind of something I learned growing up. I say the same thing over and over again. But you just kind of prayed on autopilot. You ever zone out in church? Hey, you ever zone out in church? <laughs> Not when I'm speaking. I know that never happens when I'm speaking, right? I know, I know the, the, the camera guys and the tech guys, they're, they're, they never fall asleep on me in the middle of my message. But listen, it takes energy and attention to fix our thoughts on our Heavenly Father. Remember the first time that you fell in love? I mean, you just couldn't get that person off your mind. I hear that, you know, Janet tells me all, all the time, you know, man, I just can't get you off my mind, Jeremy. You're just, I think about you all the time. I hope she's not watching right now because I'm going to get it after that. But you thought about that person all the time when you first started dating. You woke up thinking about them, thinking about them all day, all, all day long during your day. Before you go to bed at night, you're still thinking about them. You know why? It's because you have fixed your, your thoughts on that person. You have trained your mind on that person. 
and then actually made that person come to your mind, thinking about them even more. Now listen to this. Scientists call this neuroplasticity. All right? Neuroplasticity. It means that if you regularly engage in the same behaviors or the same thoughts, your brain will designate that activity or thought into a, as your preferred one. The more you think about a thought, your brain will program itself into always thinking about that same thought as the preferred thought of all your thoughts. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Think about that. The more you think about something, the more often your brain brings it to your mind. Our phones have become a fixture in our lives, haven't they? Let me ask you this question. How many times do you check your phone in a given day? All right, and don't be elbowing nobody next to you, all right, because they're a lot worse than you are, whatever. But studies have proven that on average, okay, and believe me, some of you are way above the average. People check their phones nearly 60 times a day. And now some of you are thinking, 60 times, that's nothing. (laughs) But here's where that neuroplasticity comes into play. The more you do it, the more you think about it. The more you repeat it. And it just becomes routine for us. Okay, it's kind of like multiple cars in a single file line driving on a muddy road. Eventually, they're going to keep digging down and building these deeper, deeper ruts in that mud, right? And then when that mud hardens, when it dries, it's really difficult to drive through. It's kind of taking your steering wheel uh, any way that it wants, The more you think on a thought, the deeper the rut gets in your brain. It's proven. It's proven that you can sit and think about certain thoughts so many times that it actually creates these little ruts inside your brain. And those thoughts will always travel the same path. Can it be healed? Absolutely. When we change our our thinking and the things that are true and right and holy and honorable and all those things found in Philippians 4.8, you can actually reverse that course. And you can make those repairs. So when we intentionally begin to fix our mind on God and his characteristics, what is true and right and good, it actually creates the rhythm to continue fixing our mind on him. Our very thoughts and attention, our worship, continues to be focused on God. His heart is always beating for you. And he wants to teach us to fix our heart and our attention on him. And that's hard sometimes. I know, I get it. We're not like one of those uh, uh, autofocus features on our phone where you just point at something and whatever the, the object that you're pointing at, your phone automatically focuses on that. No, that's not how our brain works. We have to decide to focus on God. We have to choose to focus on God. Look what it says in Romans 8, 7, and 8. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking thinking more about self than God. So that leads us to point number two. God's heart beats for my affection. So first, God's heart beats for my attention. Now his heart beats for my affection. This means to love God with all your heart and soul. And for some of us, this is kind of difficult because maybe you grew up in a family that was, uh, wasn't the real affectionate kind of family. They, 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 they weren't really good about showing affection. You hardly ever heard it. You hardly ever witnessed it. You hardly ever heard the words, I love you. Now my dad, 
Uh, my dad's watching right now, I know, and my, my dad, uh, big old man, 6'3", all my life, just a big dude, big old teddy bear. And uh, still to this day, I'm a 49-year-old man, still to this day, if my dad were to walk through that door, he would come up, give me a hug, super tight hug, and give me a kiss on the cheek. That's the environment I grew up in, very affectionate, home. But I realized that not everybody did. Not everybody got to grow up in that environment. It's not easy for you to express affection to God without feeling weird about it. It's hard for you to say, God, I love you, because you don't hear those words. You don't say those words a lot. Let me just encourage you. Let me challenge you to grow in that area, to deeply grow in that area by saying those words, God, I love you. It may feel weird to be saying that you love a God that you've never seen, but he hears it, and he loves you. One of the things that uh, Janet and I, we, we're big Seinfeld fanatics. We've been watching Seinfeld for years. We still watch all the reruns nearly every single day. Well, there's one episode, if, you, if you're a Seinfeld uh, lover, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, hey, how come no one told me that I had a piece of paper on me? Can somebody clean me up up here sometimes? All right. So if you, if you, love, if you love Seinfeld, uh, there's one episode where George, uh, George is dating this girl, and he says, hey, I think, I'm thinking about telling this girl that I love her. And so Jerry's trying to talk him out of it. No, don't do it. How, do you think she's going to say I love you back? And he said, I don't know, but I've never told a girl I love her, so I'm going to tell this girl that I love her. And Jerry says, okay. So he goes out on a date, looks at this girl and says, hey, I love you. Crickets. She doesn't say it back. Well, then he finds out that she's deaf in one ear. And so he begins to think, well, maybe I said it in her bad ear, so I'm going to say it again. So they go out on another date, and he's looking at her. He grabs her by the face, turns, his, turns her face towards him to make sure that he can say it to where she, both of her ears can take it in. And he says, I love you. And her response is great. She says, yeah, I know. I heard you the first time. <laughs> but guess what? The amazing thing about God is that he's taken away that risk because God's already told you, he's already said, he's already demonstrated that he loves you, and he did it first. He said it first. He said it to you first. God said, I love you. God has said it a thousand different ways that we talked about earlier. Everywhere I go, I see you. That's what God says to us. He's shouting his love towards you every day, every moment. You know, in many other religions, the God they worship is judgment. The God they worship is fire. You have to appease their God. You have to avoid that God because of fear. You're supposed to be afraid of him at all times, paying all kinds of penance, but that's not the one true God that we serve. That's not Jehovah God. The Bible says that God's heart beats for your love. Exodus 34, 14 says, you must worship no other gods, but only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. God gave us life, and then he gives new life in Jesus. Isn't that great? He says, I want you, I want you to give yourself completely back to me. We love God because he first loved us. When we understand how much he loves us and that he loved us enough to even come to earth to die on a cross for us, then we can say, okay, God, I give myself to you. My soul is in your hands. 
And God desires for us to do that every day, every moment with him. And there's, there's so many ways that we can do that. You think, Jeremy, what are some ways that I can actually physically show worship to God? There's a few ways. We're going to talk about those in the moment. But there's also something that happens when we come together. Those of you who are comfortable, come back to our weekend service. We want to see you. There's something special about worshiping God together. There's something unifying and powerful when we are side by side with each other and we have the same heart and we lift up a, a, a united singular praise to God. I know many of you may be watching. Maybe you're still in lane one and you're worshiping from home, God is with you there. And you have felt him there during our services. You've emailed, you've sent me text messages about during a service how you felt God's presence in your living room, in your kitchen, in your cars. But I will say, there's something unique and engaging that happens when we're all together. So when you're ready, when you're ready, take that step and join us here at the campus. Many people come to a weekend service for different reasons. Maybe for a time of spiritual refreshment. A time when the worries and concerns and struggles of the world from the other six days of the week. That's that time that you can just kind of put all those things aside and you can really experience peace. Maybe you came today to kind of re-energize yourself, to gain strength from being in God's presence with other believers. So that you can be prepared and ready to go out to the rest of the world for this next week. Maybe some of you came as a sense of duty because you've always been, the, been uh, at church on the weekends and you're not going to let anything keep you from being there. Maybe for some of you it's that one place, that one place in your life where there's no turmoil. Some of you came because you just like the feeling of community. You love being a part of something bigger than yourself. That no matter where you've been, that no matter what you've done, you can come and be accepted. But let me tell you this. There is a huge difference between attending church and coming to worship. I want to say that again. There is a huge difference between attending church and coming to worship. God wants us to come. He wants us to come here today and simply to worship. Why? Because we are worshipers. I heard one pastor say it like this. There's no need to teach people how to worship if you're not going to model it to the people that you teach. Author Louis Giglio wrote this. If you've never heard of Louis Giglio, I encourage you to, to uh, look him up. Phenomenal pastor, phenomenal leader, phenomenal uh, um, author. He says this in one of his books. Every day, all day long, in every place you worship. It's what you do. It's who you are. Should you for some reason choose not to give God what he desires, you'll worship anyway. Simply exchanging the creator for something he created. Worship is our response to what we value the most. Whatever is worth the most to you is what you worship. So how do you know where and what you worship? It's easy. You simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whomever is on that throne 
is what's of highest value to you. On that throne is what you worship. Wow. Now that is deep. So I haven't mentioned our tagline for this series uh, even once during this message. Except the beginning when we were kind of talking about the header. We've talked in previous weeks about moments for minutes. These moments of worship and fixing our thoughts on him flow from the minutes that we invest. So what are some ways that I can worship? Okay, what can I do? Okay, here's one of the things you can do. Just come together. All right, worship is not just about service or, or an event that we attend. It definitely can be, but here's how we can move from our experience towards worship. Okay, when we realize that it's not about me or my preferences. When we realize that it's not about me, we can really turn our lives into worship. Because guess what? It's not about you. <laughs> it's not about me. Do you leave a weekend service with a smile on your face and say, man, that was a, I was really blessed by today's music. I was really blessed by today's message. I got a lot out of it. I feel myself growing closer to, closer to God. The presence of the Lord was in our service this morning. Or do you leave service on the weekends grumpy saying, boy, that was a waste of time. I didn't like the music. I had no idea what the pastor was talking about. The room was too cold. The coffee was too weak. <laughs> When that's our attitude, it's because we've lost sight of something very important. Worship is not about me. We may benefit from, from participating in public worship, but it's not for us. Worship is for God and God alone. The question shouldn't be, what do I get out of worship, but rather, what can I give back to God? When we try to worship God with an attitude that's all about us, we find ourselves coming to service focused on the music or the instruments or who's singing or who's preaching. We come like the, the Olympic judges ready to just rate the event. And listen, I get it. Sometimes it's hard to focus. Sometimes it's hard not to focus on ourselves when we come with this feeling of being broken, when we are tired, when we are exhausted, when we need to be spiritually renewed and refueled. But when we come just solely focusing on our own needs, then we make it about us. We feel so empty and so shallow that we look only to how we can be helped by God and said, how can I worship God today? But in worship, the aim is to so loose and empty ourselves that we can posture and position ourselves to be filled up. For it is in worship where we forget ourselves and focus on God. It's true that we find ourselves re-energized by worship. Absolutely. But that's not what the reason that we're there. That's not the reason why we worship. I heard a song last week. I love the lyrics. It says this. God loves when I come to him empty. It gives him the chance to fill me up with him. Another way we can worship is spend quiet time with God, okay? This can be reading scriptures or praying, all right? Make your prayers like an ongoing dialogue with Jesus. Get up each day and talk to Jesus about what's going on during the day. That's another way you can worship. Another way is just to read and reflect, okay? We already talked about reading scripture. But maybe instead of taking a large segment of the Bible, large, you know, multiple chapters, maybe we find a smaller passage or a phrase or a word and really dive into that. You know, what, and ask yourself questions like, what word really sticks out to me in this phrase? Or what phrase sticks out to me in this verse? And then read it again. 
Is there something personal that God is trying to bring to the surface of my life? And then read it again. Is there something God is inviting me or challenging me into for this verse? Another thing we can do is set a, what's called a prayer alarm. Set one or more alarms on your clock during the day on your phone. And every time that goes off, just look and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. I continue to surrender myself to you. Here's another way. Rewind and rejoice. As you lay your head down at the end of the day, just kind of meditate and reflect back on your day. Think about those moments that you got to spend with God. Maybe you didn't know at the time, but God was revealing to you, doing something on the inside of you. Rewind and rejoice. When you think about those times where you think, man, that was a God moment. Thank God for it. And I love this one. Just, it's called, we call it prayer bites. Prayer bites. Take small portions of Scripture and personalize, personalize them into little tiny uh, bite-sized prayers that you can speak throughout the day. Here's just a few examples of Scripture turned into small prayer bites like this. Speak, Lord, for your servant, insert your name, is listening. Lord, you are my shepherd. You've given me everything I need. Not my will, but yours be done. I will not worry, but I'm going to bring everything to you. Lord, today I will be still and know that you are my God. So as we close, let me ask, how will you invest the minutes into worship to experience those moments with Jesus? How are you going to do that? We just gave you several examples of how you can spend time worshiping God. How can you do that? It's like this. It's in every time that you fix your thoughts and every time you do what you do. Throughout your day, remember, ask yourself this question. Are my thoughts worshiping God? Or are my thoughts pulling me away from God? Am I using my job and my career, what I'm doing right now, am I investing into that in a frame of worshiping God? Or am I doing it, am I really killing my witness as to how I can really be used by God? Am I available? That's the question. Am I available to worship God right now? God wants your heart. But you have to invest the minutes to get to the moments. Worship God with all your heart. Give him your soul and your mind and your strength this week. Look for those moments and worship him in everything that you do. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that these are moments that we can just spend worshiping you. Father, I thank you that worship goes far beyond music, far beyond instruments, and far beyond singing, Lord. It's what we do. It should be a part of our lives. Our lives should be a living worship acceptable unto you. Father, as we offer ourselves to you, as we offer our thoughts to you, as we offer our bodies to you, Lord, our souls, our minds, our spirits, Lord, we pray that you'll accept them as an acceptable form of worship in our jobs, in our speech, our conversations that we have, Lord. Are you receiving the worship for all of those, Lord? If not, convict us. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Help our minds, Lord, instead of fixing on those things that, that are dangerous, that are unhealthy, that, 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 uh, that would uh, uh, cause you, Lord, to, to have to send the Holy Spirit, God, and, and, and convict us, Lord, of those thoughts. Lord, let us fix our thoughts on those things that, that make you proud, 
that make you smile, that are acceptable forms of worship. And Father, we lay those at your feet. Father, we pray that this week, everyone that's listening under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they will make their lives a living testimony, living, walking worshipers of you in everything that we do. We love you. We surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. Don't forget, let your life be a living worship to God in everything that you do. Don't forget, June the 6th, Sunday, June the 6th, we're going back to a 1030 time slot, okay? And then uh, on the 13th, we're having water baptism, so make sure you sign up if you've never been water baptized. And also on June the 6th, we're going to mask optional. Mask optional on Sunday, June the 6th. We love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you back next week.